Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, and this, this passage uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 is one that it has always been um, just a powerful text of Scripture that I'll go to uh, periodically, and especially during this last season of life, of 2020, that, uh, you know, just we're faced with so many challenges, and the thing about it is this, like, the, the church ministering in a difficult context is nothing new. And the church moving forward in spite of challenging times is nothing that is new. That if God has called us to, even in 2021, maybe things won't get better, humanly speaking. Maybe it'll get more difficult. Maybe the challenges will increase, but yet that's nothing new to the church. To minister in, in difficult times. And in fact, if we look back really at history and even look back now or look, look at places in this world now, there's Christians that are ministering in much more difficult contexts. They're ministering in places where it's much more dangerous, and, uh, but yet, yet we know that God, His sovereign plan is that we are here in this time, and, and that should excite us, that it should, it should encourage us um, as we think just about the privilege to serve God in this time. Ephesians chapter 1, probably a familiar passage to you. But Paul is, is writing a letter to uh, the church at Ephesus. That's why it's Ephesians, the Ephesian Christians. And the whole theme of Ephesians is he's wanting them to understand who they are in Christ. He's wanting them to know their identity in Christ. And Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is just filled. It's, it's similar to Romans in the, the sense that it's filled with just so much that is just applicable to us as we serve God as we live our life for Christ, as we live our life for the glory of God. There's so much application uh, in those books, but what's important to know is that leading up to all that application is a deep theology of who God is, of who we are as sinful man, of who Jesus is and why that he came. And Ephesians is no different. Ephesians has so much applicable things about how to forgive and how to treat other people. And even in, at the end of the book where it talks about, about husbands and wives and how husbands were to love our wives as Christ loved the church and about, about bringing up our children as parents, bringing our children up in the admonition and fear of the Lord and, and then spiritual warfare about taking on the armor of God. But all of those applicable, practical things there's a foundation that's laid before that. And that is a deep theology of what our identity is in Christ. Because it's out of that identity, out of us knowing who we are in Christ, out of that flows our service to Christ. And it's really important that we don't get that backwards. It's really important to understand all the blessings that we have in Christ. Well, Paul's writing to these Ephesian Christians and he's, he's listing all of these spiritual blessings that they have in Christ. And here is what is so powerful. To know that these things are not just true about this church, about this specific church here at Ephesus. 
that all of these blessings that we have in Christ, they're true for each and every one of us who are in Jesus Christ. For each and every one of us that know Christ as our Lord and Savior, these spiritual blessings, these many spiritual blessings are true about you. And they're true about me. In fact, Paul closes out this chapter and his prayer for this church is this, that they will know and that they will understand all of these blessings that they have in Christ. He starts out, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That phrase is so important because we see that phrase mentioned over and over and over again in the New Testament about being in Christ and being in Him, in the Beloved. This is a term and this is language of knowing our identity. And Paul's saying that those that are in Christ they're saints. He's saying that is your new identity in, in, in a city that was known for its paganism, in a city that was known for its idolatry and known, known for, for its just, just blatant wickedness. Yet these, new, these people, the, a church mixed of both Jew and Gentile, many of them, their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling them, your identity is now a saint. That is who you are in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And now he's going to list all of these blessings. Again, these are blessings. These are things that are true, not just of this church, but they're true of every single one of us. These are blessings we have in Christ not because of our goodness, but because of His grace. And he says this, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So we see this, the blessing from God the Father is that we are chosen by Him. Again, there's nothing good in, of, in and, and, and of ourselves. It is God's grace and His goodness and, and His love that he has chosen us. We are chosen by God, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So not only are we chosen, but we are adopted. We're part of the family. We're part of the family. There is a place at the table for us that we're part of that family. We're part of the family of God, again, not because of our goodness, but because of, of God's grace, that we have a seat at the table, that we have been adopted, we are, we are brought into the family of God. There's a place in the family for us. We have been accepted in the beloved, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of this grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, that we are accepted by God. You know, here in this life, there's times, there, there, there's times, unfortunately, where we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we're accepted. And all of us at some point in our life have probably felt that. Maybe there was something you wanted to be a part of and you felt like an outsider and you felt like for whatever reason, you just weren't included in that group. And, 
And, and, and hopefully you haven't felt like that in the church because the church is as the body of Christ that we should all find love and acceptance with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But the reality is even though we're saved and being sanctified, that that, that, that process has not been completed yet and, and, and we still sometimes as, as believers cannot live how we should live and how God wants us. And maybe you've even felt at times that, that you haven't felt that acceptance. You haven't felt like you've belonged. But yet, the reality is for every person who's in Christ, that we are accepted in Him. That we are a part of the family of God. It says, Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath per purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, that in, in time past and in, in the prophets and the Old Testament, that these things were, were predicted and a foreshadow of, of Christ's coming. And, and now Christ has come and he has fulfilled those things and he has a plan, a specific purpose and plan, and he has made known his will to us that God has spoken that God has spoken through His Word, through the Spirit that indwells us. Verse 11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated unto, according to the purpose of Him who worketh in all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. That we see we're not only chosen, not only adopted, not only accepted, we see that we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. God has revealed His will to us. We have been given an inheritance. We are His inheritance. And we've also been given an inheritance. All of these things tonight, they're true about everyone who is in Christ. That you and I have an inheritance that's waiting. In fact, Peter one of Christ's closest followers, he, he writes in similar language in Peter. He says that we have an inheritance that will never fade away reserved in heaven. And Peter, when he's writing this, he's writing to people that, 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 that they would gather their crops and they would, they would harvest their crops and they knew they had just such a short window of time before pestilence and before storms would destroy that. And, and when Peter's writing that, in, in a later book, he's saying that, that the inheritance that you have in Christ is something that will never be lost. The reality is that all of our possessions and riches and maybe inheritances or, or lack thereof, right? There, there's no guarantee of them in this life. You can be wise and save and invest and I hope you do all those things. Those things are, are wise to do as we look in the wisdom books about being prepared. But the reality is no matter how wise, no matter how smart you try to be, those things could all be lost. Those things could all fade away here in this life. But yet, we as believers, as followers of Christ, we have an inheritance that's reserved, that is awaiting us in heaven, and that inheritance will never fade away. I was reading not too long ago about an inheritance that uh, an individual received. He inherited a house, and this house, though, was like in a Midwest town, 
in Ohio. So the house was like not even worth a, a, a hundred grand, which is probably hard to imagine living here, right? But, but this house wasn't even worth a hundred grand and it was in disrepair. And so, so he inherited this house and, 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 and he began and, and he lived in a distant state. I forget which state it was, but, but he traveled there to this town in Ohio and, and began to make the repairs that he needed to on this house and hire people to do what needed to be done. And, and this took months and months and months. And it was all said and done, fixed up the house, hired a realtor, sold the house, and his profit when everything was said and done was like $100. I mean, after months and months, I mean, it's like, wow, what an inheritance, right? But, but rest assured, rest assured, we have an inheritance that's far greater than anything here in this life. We have an inheritance that's waiting us. Why? Because we're in the family. We're part of the family of God. And that inheritance is ours. Again, not because of our goodness, but because of his grace. He's redeemed us. We've been forgiven. Why should we forgive? Why should we forgive the hurt and heartache and pain around us? Because we have been forgiven. We're rebels and sinners against a holy and a righteous God and deserve nothing but God's wrath and God's condemnation. But yet God in his mercy through Jesus Christ living the righteous life we couldn't, dying for our sins and, and paying for our sin. He has redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's given us this inheritance. This inheritance is sealed by the Spirit within us in whom he also trusted, verse 13, that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that ye believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed us. And we see just the harmony within the, the, the Trinity, the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that have guaranteed and sealed our salvation. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 14 says that He is the earnest or the down payment of this inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. What guarantees this inheritance? How do we have an assurance of our salvation? The Holy Spirit of God in us. His work of sanctification. The fruit of the Spirit that we see. Now we don't work and do, do, do good works in order to keep our salvation. But that is evidence of our salvation. The ongoing sanctification work of the Spirit in us is it gives us a confidence of a future glory of the glorification one day. That is that, yes, we're, we're justified. The moment we believe, the moment we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, and proof of that is the Spirit of God in us who is, who is working in us, who is sanctifying us, who's making us more like Christ. So all of these blessings were chosen by the Father, were adopted into His family. We are accepted by the Son, we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. We, God has revealed His will to us. We've been given this inheritance. By the Spirit, we've been sealed. He's put the down payment of our inheritance down. The guarantee, all of these things, all of these things we have in Christ. And now Paul closes out this chapter. And he says this, he says, My prayer for you is that you will comprehend and know these things. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and the love unto all the saints, 
I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And he says this, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. We say, my prayer for you, my prayer for this church here at Ephesus is that, look, he, he lists all these things, all these blessings that they have in Christ. He's saying, my prayer to you, my prayer for you is that you will know these things. Because you know what? It's possible. It's possible to have all of these things true about us, but not fully comprehend and know it. My, my friend and fellow pastor, Pastor Larry Hoffa, was preaching on, on this passage. We went through Ephesians a few months ago. And I love the illustration that he gave. He, he talked about how, imagine that you, were, you inherited a Costco. Like during this crazy pandemic, you inherited a Costco that was stocked with everything. And it was all yours. It was all inherited to you. But yet, remember like the beginning of the pandemic, these crazy lunatics that were like buying up everything. They're buying up all the toilet paper and Clorox wipes and, and, and they were just going crazy. And it was like a little bit of a, of, of a scramble, just like trying to like find, find enough of those supplies. And imagine living stressed and panicked, wondering if you're going to be able to get enough supplies, which the whole time though, you had a whole Costco that was filled and stocked with all the things you would ever need. But what good would it do you if you didn't truly comprehend and know that? Because see, if we know these things, if we know all of these blessings that we have in Christ, if we know our identity in Christ, and we know that all of these spiritual blessings are for us, not because of, of our achievement, but because of God's grace, if we truly understand that, it's going to affect how we live. Look, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be times as believers that we still don't face anxiety and fear. We live in a fallen world and, and we're being sanctified. And so there's times where, where we're not going to live perfectly and live exactly how we should live. So I'm not downplaying or belittling. If maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online and, and honestly, that's a real struggle for you, that you struggle deeply with anxiety and fear. And so I don't say this to shame anybody that's struggling with that. Look, we all have different struggles and we all are going to even face certain times in our life where there's certain things that we're really going to struggle with. But I hope that the truth of God's word, the reality of who you are in Christ, the reality of all these blessings that you have, I hope that you'll really comprehend this. I hope that you'll truly understand that you have all of these things in Christ. But you know what, now is a, a fearful time for many. We just look around at all the turmoil in this world. We look at the, the pandemic that we've been living through now, coming up on a year, and a lot of uncertainty. We look at the, the, the political climate of our day, and just how divided our nation is. It's caused many people to live in fear, many people to be, to be concerned, and, and many people to wonder, like, what, what is tomorrow going to bring? What, what could happen? And sometimes we can obsess about every possible negative situation that could happen. But rest assured tonight that as a believer, for all of those who are in Christ Jesus, 
that we have a future that is secure. That we know that we can have confidence here in this life and that we can live courageously here in this life because we know what's to come. In fact, Paul says this, this is my prayer that you'll comprehend all of this. And he points out the reason we can think that is because he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He's saying, look, Christ is above all. All of these things you have in Christ, these are guaranteed. And, and he's saying the proof of this I want you to understand this and comprehend just all that you have in Christ. And this isn't, this, this isn't just some positive, positive uh, speech to try to get people excited. This isn't some cheap hope. He said the reality is based upon Christ who was raised from the dead, who is over all, who is above all, who is power, more powerful. And there's a lot of people today that think they're powerful. There's a lot of people that think that they're in control and, th and that they're pulling the strings of what happens, but yet Christ is above all of those things. That his kingdom, will, there will be no end. Every kingdom of this world ends. Every kingdom will come and go except one. And that is the kingdom that we are a part of. That is the reality that we are a part of. And you just ha we just have to look to, we just have to look to Christ. Look at it, Christ, when, when he came to this earth and lived a righteous life, and then he died for our sins. You look at the cross of Christ, which, which humanly speaking was the, the, the greatest injustice because the only person who was innocent, the only person who was without sin, yet died the worst death imaginable. And you look at that instance, you look at the cross of Christ, and you see there, there, there were powerful, powerful people that were involved in this. And all of them thought the fate of Jesus was in their hands. All of them thought that they were the ones pulling the strings. There, there was the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, and they were religious leaders, but they were also highly political. They had a lot of pull and, and a lot of say with, 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 with Rome of, of what would happen and what would take place. And, and, and the Sanhedrin, you talk about a collusion. The Sanhedrin began to gather together to try to get rid of Christ because they said, if we don't stop him, all men are going to go and follow him. We can't control him. We need to stop him. So they conspired together, but it wasn't the Sanhedrin that was pulling the strings. It wasn't the Sanhedrin. There, Jesus was brought before, when, when they arrested him, he was brought, first of all, before before a man by the name of Annas. Annas was a pa the patriarchal high priest. He wasn't positionally the high priest anymore, but he was the one that the religious leaders would go to, and they, they were the, he was the one that still kind of controlled things unofficially. They brought him before Annas, the patriarchal high priest. He thought he was in control of this situation, but he wasn't in control. 
Jesus then went before Caiaphas, the acting high priest, who was placed there by Rome, who thought that they could have more control over him than Annas. And, and, and Caiaphas thought he was the one that was in control of the fate of Jesus, but it wasn't Caiaphas. Jesus went before Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator, who, who absolutely despised these Jews, and he didn't want to crucify Jesus. In fact, he wanted to release him, and he thought he was in control. He then sent him to, to King Herod, who ruled in the region of Galilee, when he heard that all of this started with Jesus' miracles in Galilee, and, 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 and yet King Herod wasn't in control. In fact, Pilate's own words when he was speaking to Jesus, he said, don't you understand? Don't you understand that I have the power to condemn you or to release you? And Jesus said, the only power you have is the power that was given to you. What's the point with all of this? All of these powerful, powerful people, the most powerful people in the world, who thought they were in control of the situation, and in reality, none of them were. Today, we look around. We look around. Again, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to, 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 to sugarcoat anything or to, to make things seem like it's no big deal. I mean, I think, we're, hey, we're citizens of heaven. We're also citizens of this world. And we should be concerned about what's going on here in this world. But yet, sometimes it can cause us to fear. We see these things and it looks like, man, all evil men and powerful people are, are getting away with all these things. But they're not in control. Jesus Christ rules and reigns over all. And he's in control. And it's his church that will march forward. Not in a physical sense of taking up arms, but in a spiritual sense, in the church will continue to move forward because Christ is above all. Governments think they're powerful, but Christ is more powerful. People think they're more powerful or think they're powerful, but, but Christ is overall. And the church will move forward. The church will march on. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And many times, you know what the picture that we have is? We have this picture of the church as the ones behind the castle, holding back the, holding back the doors, holding back the wall from the enemy coming in and overtaking us. But that's not the picture that we see. The picture we see is the gates of hell and the powers of evil and darkness are the ones that are trying to hold back the church. And maybe some of you, you like to watch like the, the medieval movies where you see like the, the castle surrounded and the enemy is, 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 uh, is, is, is ramming through that gate and just at the last moment, just at the last moment, the hero emerges with the victorious army to come and to save the day. But rest assured, the gates of hell are not going to stop the church from moving forward. There will be no dark hero with an army that's going to emerge onto the scene with the powers of evil and darkness, the church will prevail because Jesus Christ rules and he reigns over all. Paul is saying all of these things that you have in Christ, all of these blessings that we have as his followers, it's guaranteed because there is a power that is above all. That Christ was raised victoriously from the dead. But here's the thing. His prayer 
His prayer for this church, my prayer for you, for myself, is that we will truly comprehend and know all of these things. Because it is possible. It is possible to still live in fear and to, and to still live and to still live not fully comprehending all of these blessings that we have in Christ. So yes, let's be sober-minded. Let's recognize the time that we're in. Let's understand that, that, that we may be called to minister in a difficult context in dark days. That's possible. But we don't need to fear. And we don't need a voice of uncertainty right now. We don't need a voice of fear. Because we are part of His kingdom. If it was in and of ourselves, we'd have every reason to fear. We'd have every reason to be discouraged. But Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And I don't know what God is doing in you specifically. What He's doing in this church through these difficult times. I don't know what times lie ahead for you, for me, but we can rest assured. We can rest assured that Christ is over all. And He is above all. And maybe it's going to be a difficult day and a difficult storm that you're going to face in, in 2021. But, but Jesus Christ rules over all and he has a purpose in all of it. There's no such thing as wasted pain or suffering for a child of God. Because God has a purpose in all of it. And may we truly comprehend all of these things that we have in Christ. And this passage, again, is probably a familiar one to you. Probably nothing that I said is something that you didn't already know. But may we, may you, may I, may we comprehend, may we think and realize the reality of all that we have. Not because of our goodness, but because of His grace. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.